How many days can you count recently where your flow or your focus has been disrupted by something? With me, this is a daily occurrence. It really is. You know, a day where you were making progress on something and then all it took was one email, one call, one text, or, you know, if you're the type that abides by the deep work or digital minimalism philosophy where, you know, you keep your electronics turned off or out of reach, perhaps it was a family issue or a new project that was thrown on your plate. Whatever your situation Let's just speak plain English. We all deal with distractions in life, moments of chaos that throw us off and make us feel like we go to bed at night and we got nothing done, nothing done. Now, I've done a podcast in the past that that talks about real productivity and and what that means and how I kind of look at those things. Today, we're going to focus on chaos and distraction, why these things creep up, why they hit us, why they can make us go to bed at night and feel unrested and then wake up the next morning with tension. Because now we feel like we have to play catch up and then there's this spiral and and this can be related to information overload. It can be related to you taking on too many projects. It can be your lifestyle. It could be your own expectations. We're going to dive into some of those things. So relax. But first, I want to make sure that I update you on a couple of things that we have going on at Art of Coaching. So if you followed for a while, you know that our work is, is about two things really primarily. We are really focused on helping leaders, and that could be in the corporate world, that could be strength and conditioning, my roots, uh, so the performance world, that could be the classroom, that can be anything, guys. You could be a marriage counselor. We're really focused on the communication side of things, understanding the science behind the art of interaction, human behavior, building buy-in, all those things that go into trust and better communication. Now, on the other end, though, we also help leaders advance their careers. Sometimes people are just in jobs where they're stuck. There's there's so many people vying for positions, and they kind of feel like, well, you know, there's not that many jobs available. Or maybe you've been in a role for a long time, and you're trying to break out and do something new. Whatever that is, just if you're trying to grow personally or professionally, that's another thing that we do. So I want to make sure you guys know about our coalition program. We just wrapped up six months with our latest group. We do this a couple times a year. It's a six-month community focused on accountability, clarity, and building momentum. So if you're somebody that, you know, you've always wanted to do something different, whether it's start your own business or you have a side project or you want to write a book or start a podcast, but you just keep getting in your own way and you're not sure what ideas you really want to run with, then the coalition may be for you. And we have three different options depending on what your lifestyle is like. If you're somebody that wants to do biweekly calls, all done on Zoom, video, and, and recorded, so you don't have to worry about missing a call. It's, you always have access to it. We have weekly calls. We have one-to-one mentoring. This is all mentoring. So I think we all agree that time is the most valuable commodity we have. Nobody wants to waste it. It's a big part of what today is about. And once it's gone, we can never get it back. The issue is, is so many people kind of just follow like, yeah, I'm working on something. I'm going to ask friends for feedback. And then their friends don't give them feedback or give them, yeah, it was good. It sounded good. Yeah, you did great on that episode. No, I think that's a good idea. Guys, your friends have lives. Your your friends have lives and they love you and they care about you. But, you know, it, it helps to have a community that has skin in the game and is invested and can give you real feedback that can hold you accountable when you kind of make all these little excuses that are easy to make. So essentially, you know, leaders from all over the world have joined our six-month program. And it, it ranges from enhancing their business knowledge, coaching, pra- enhancing uh, coaching practices, just broadening their professional network. So if you're interested, we are about to wrap up applications for this next round. It will start in September. We have another round that starts in October, and then that's it for 2020. But I want to make sure that you guys get those applications in. You can go to artofcoaching.com forward slash coalition, artofcoaching.com forward slash coalition. We also 
have some more apprenticeships coming up. Our apprenticeship workshop, and these are all very, we, we accept very few people in regards to trying to be safe with COVID. So don't worry about that. We have less than 10 people. We bring face masks and, and sanitizer to every event. And this is going to be in Chicago, August 29th and 30th. So if you want to work on your communication skills and you understand that the, the biggest gap between people is misunderstanding and you're really somebody that is dedicated to decreasing the amount of misunderstandings you or your staff or loved ones have, the apprenticeship is for you. You can go to artofcoaching.com forward slash apprenticeship. Welcome to the Art of Coaching Podcast, a show aimed at getting to the core of what it takes to change attitudes, behaviors, and outcomes in the weight room, boardroom, classroom, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Brett Bartholomew. I'm a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of the book, Conscious Coaching. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student interested in all aspects of human behavior and communication. I want to thank you for joining me. And now let's dive into today's episode. All right. So let's get back into why you're not getting anything done. And keep in mind, this is no guru on the mountain episode here. I deal with this daily, daily. You know, I, I recently got so stressed out that I just, you know, I had to go take an hour long walk and, you know, I, I came home and I, I saw that, you know, I, I just look at my calendar and I think daily, no matter how organized I try to be, just stuff creeps up. And I've had, you know, I listen, I've, I've had everybody say, well, this is the issue and you need one of these checklists and you need this book and yada, yada, yada. And, and the reality is guys, sometimes just the conditions in life are such that distractions are going to creep in, right? So last year during a particularly chaotic moment, I sent out an email to those on my newsletter. And if you're on it, you may remember it. And this was a time where my brother had a seizure and uh, I had some health issues and, and a bunch of other things. And it was just like, Oh my goodness. And we had no idea a pandemic was coming. And I had told the folks on my newsletter, I just get so tired of when people say like, Oh, you know, just try this and have your morning routine, which we'll talk about in a moment. So I said, screw this. We're putting together a freebie of what we call the chaos checklist. And this is what we look at is time management for the real world. So regardless of, you know, all these perfectly curated morning routines or productivity hacks that we hear about, the reality is, like I said, life happens. So we have that available for you guys at artofcoaching.com forward slash chaos. And really what this does is this helps you when blank hits the fan. And you know what I mean by blank. So if you're one of those people that's like me, that just feels like you've had enough of the productivity stuff and you still, it's you know, none of it's working and you have a unique situation, by all means, check this out because your days are going to go to crap, especially now. It's hard when you don't know, there's, there's not always clear goals of what can be done, what should be done, because you don't always know what's right and what's the right time given this pandemic. So that's my answer to the myriad of morning checklists, you know, with these onslaught of promises that if you have the right system, everything goes as planned. Oh, take a cold shower, meditate for five minutes, work out before 6 a.m., put money in your 401k, write a blog post, <laughs> do a second workout and enjoy a cold plunge all before eight and then tackle the day with vim and vigor. Mm. Nah, and if you have kids, you know that that's definitely not real life. So no matter how often we're told about the power of habits and checklists, distractions are going to creep in. Great, Brett. So, so what do we do? My advice as somebody that's failed with this again and again and again and is slowly starting to learn and, you know, I, I'm not 
perfect by any means, but I do, I am getting better at having some self-compassion and realizing, dude, you, I constantly go to bed feeling like a failure, despite the fact that within three years, I wrote and published a book and put out two online courses that are over 10 hours of video content, masterclass quality. We've done over a hundred podcast episodes. We've sent out newsletters. We created a new workshop and I still ultimately feel like a failure. And there's no Freudian psychoanalysis here where I'm trying to fill a void in my life because mommy and daddy didn't accept me and I want to make them proud. Like, I just want to be useful and I get ideas and I want to get them done. I, I, I want to do that. I want to feel like I made the most of my time here. So what I'm starting to learn to do is embracing these distractions. Don't ignore it. As a matter of fact, guys, there's some days where I get so angry at something. Maybe it's, and I'll be candid. Maybe it's something that I've delegated to a staff member and they come back with me with like 40 questions, even though I tried framing it up and obviously must have not done a good enough job as a communicator. And I do what I, it's the worst thing I could do. I just take over and I start doing it and I'm done. And I don't do it to be rude. It's just when I get mad, I get really focused. I know that's odd, right? When I get mad, I get focused. I was never that type that in college we all know somebody that if they broke up with a significant other, they kind of partake in this self-destructive behavior. They go to the bar, they do this. And I just always kind of felt like, all right, I'm going to double down on figuring out what I want to be. Uh, but for so long, I buried that because I just followed this pop size stuff of what you should really do to be productive and, and what works for everybody else with these calendars and, and what have you. But true leadership is cultivated during times of chaos and self-doubt, not calmness and serenity. You know, as coaches and leaders, we don't really get the choice to operate in a bubble. We don't get the choice to run away from our problems or take a time out or, you know, everybody wants to say no to everything. You can't always say no to stuff. There's going to be times where the answer has got to be yes, especially during a pandemic where now a service or something that you provided, you know, may not be an option anymore. So you've got to provide an alternative. There's people out there that need help. You know, there's been a lot of people in my own field that they've had to turn to, to virtual in so many different ways and, and they just feel frustrated. And it's like, hey, you can get frustrated, but now what? You know, now, now all of a sudden that you don't have groups on this time frame and you don't have this, now you're going to have to figure out a real strategy. So, you know, whatever your profession is, I know you can likely relate in your own way. Who amongst us doesn't deal with roadblocks, right? And that's the other thing that drove me nuts about these gurus and things that you read is, you know, even if it's the, the minimalism habit or the one thing, which I have tremendous respect for those authors, but that's just not everybody's life. You don't always get to do that and you don't always have that option. And for me, I know I can't turn my phone off during the day. I can put it on airplane mode, but I have to have my phone on me for certain reasons. And I have to have other electronics around me. I, I run a company. I got four people on a remote team. I don't get that option. Even if we have scheduled out calendar hours, if there's something that comes up, we got to be able to address that. So so much clarity can come from chaos. I want you to know that. That's a big reason why we created this checklist. We didn't feel like there was anything out there for those of us that, all right, no, nah, this, this productivity stuff didn't work for me. I need some help getting my day back on track. What do I do? And for us, we feel like at Art of Coaching, there's nothing like a good crisis or deadline to ensure that we keep perspective between that necessary balance of, yeah, being present in the moment, but also not letting the concomitant emotions cloud our judgment or get us out of whack. So in truth, I think people crave stability and things a bit too much. When you think you're not getting anything done, you need to look at the lens in which you're judging that 
why is that? Because you're not getting the requisite hour a day you set aside for reading because your workout had to be cut short. Is it because you didn't get something else done? You know, you need to reexamine what you're really judging that by. What's the metric in which you're envisioning success? Is it self-comparison? Do you feel like, man, this other person seems to be doing all these things and I can't even get this done? You know, that's, that's an issue in and of itself. But what we can't do is act as if we're better off without hardships or distractions or occasional sadness or even fear. We, we want to be in control of what happens so much that it's like we've lost the ability to adapt and just reorient when things are at their most hectic. And that's true leadership. True leadership emerges during crisis, both internal and external. So, you know, we all know how we should behave during these periods. We've read the books. You've watched the TED Talks. You know, you've spoken about it with friends. Yet when the moment tends to hit, you know, when blank hits the fan, I'm trying to edit myself, you know, we default to these behaviors that many of us would be embarrassed by. I mean, I teach communication now for a living. And, you know, my athletes even know that, hey, like this guy does communication workshops or what have you. So they give me a hard time if I stutter or stammer or don't communicate something appropriately with an analogy. But guys, there's times where I yell. There's times where I lose my cool. You know, unfortunately, we went to visit family not too long ago. And, uh, you know, we had put our dog at a really nice boarding facility, one we had been at before. And when we came back, and this is a long story I won't get into, the dog passed away. And, you know, it was an issue at this boarding facility, and, and we had to deal with them. And, and I looked at my wife, and I'm like, man, like, I've been putting this off. Talk about not getting anything done. I put off the call after our initial interactions with them for a couple weeks. And I'm not like that. You know, I don't seek out conflict, but I don't run from it either. But then I remembered, like, listen, this – this situation has to deal with the loss of a loved one, and a dog is a loved one, uh, a loss of money. We had over $1,400 in emergency vet bills and just, you know, just strong emotions. That takes it out of anybody. And so what I've actually started doing now is I dictate Fridays as the day where I'm going to have those kinds of phone calls. And that's for a lot of reasons. Research shows that you know, if, if you have to let somebody go or you have to share bad news, Friday's the best day as opposed to Mondays or what have you. And what I would do, something that would get in my way, is there are so many conflicts I face daily in my business or something related to social media or something related to personal life or what have you. I would just get worn down trying to address them all head on. I never wanted to put them off, right? But then the issue is, is you just you know, like that, that load, that cognitive emotional load takes over and then you're screwed. So I'm like, all right, you know, Friday is kind of like the purge for me. Friday is when I'm going to pull out my shit list and anything I need to deal with that is confrontational in nature, things like that, that's where we're getting it. That's what we're doing. At least we're trying that for now, you know, and, and you have to figure those things out. But my point is, is I'm just as guilty when we talk about craving stability and routine. You know, my family hasn't really known that. So we're working even harder on trying to figure out how we can do that. But you've got to be aware of the messaging with the gurus and, and society saying we're better off when we're just happy and grateful and confident and productive all the time. That's just hustle culture nonsense. It's impossible to do. It's a lie, right? Uh, positive thinking is absolutely beneficial, so it's okay to feel angry or mad if you didn't get stuff done, right? Like how are you supposed to be yourself while also being told to put on a front and never acknowledge those, actual, those feelings? What – Guys, that's what makes you good at what you do is when you're a real person. I talked to a friend recently and he said, man, you've had a lot, you've had a lot of issues this year. And I go, buddy, that's why I have a, you know, we, we have a book that people want to read or, or a podcast because we go through it too. We don't try to put on that front. Heaven forbid, like 
if my wife was, if my wife, my wife, my wife is perfect. If my life was perfect, would you care? Would you have any interest in what I have to say? How would I ever be relatable? So, you know, we're talking about distraction and getting rid of some of this guilt of why you're not getting anything done. Stick with me because we're going to talk about strategies in a moment. I just want you to reorient. I want you to reorient. You know, some of the most distracted people in history, like Leonardo da Vinci, for example, were revolutionary in part because they gave way to a myriad of distractions. I mean, it's phenomenal when you read about this man. You know, you would think that he's just sitting in there and painting. and do, No, he was in the courtyard and talking and hanging out with people and having discussions and studying the sun and daydreaming, you know, in a field and dissecting bodies and doing all these things. You know, you, you listen to Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin was constantly distracted. You know, w- would you believe that people like Leonardo da Vinci, and this shows you in good company, Leonardo da Vinci went to his grave with the majority of his work left unfinished. But do you know that? Do you remember that? Is that how society remembers him? No. They remember him for what he did get done. It's like Amos Tversky said, people waste years because they won't waste hours. People are so scared of wasted time. This is what Amos meant. They, they fill their time with all these things just because they could do them. And that eats up all their bandwidth of the things that were the most impactful that they could have done. And that's been my biggest thing. You guys, like, I, you know, a, a year ago, I ended up buying an Xbox again. And I'm not any video gamer, but I just knew my entire day, you know, if I wasn't coaching or doing this, I was, I was working on this or working on that. And it, it just creates more work. That's why I hate email. Like, there's never an end to that inbox zero stuff that used to be popular. The more emails you respond to, the more you're going to get. And now you're just creating a routine and a habit. And that's what worries me is people that think they're productive are really just creating these routines for themselves. And it's a distraction. Isn't that ironic? The ones that actually are the most quote unquote productive, they use the journals, the checklists, everything. They, they have their day planned out to a T. Well, what opportunities might they be missing? Not only just to think and to let an idea incubate, but also to spend time with a loved one. You know, you're, you're not becoming better by scheduling your day to no end. You're not. You know, there's a time for those things. But um, think about what happens to kids, overscheduled kids and all these people. Like, you have to be able to explore, dream, chill out a little bit. And I'm trying to take my own advice why I'm telling you this. Trust me. All right. But no way would Da Vinci be revered in modern society with some of his tendencies or as a disciple of deep work. Instead, somebody would have tried to give him ADHD medication or said, hey, read a book on minimalism. Maybe you shouldn't dissect bodies. But those side projects are exactly what allowed his artwork to come to life. It was because he knew anatomy that he could craft shapes and and shadows and all these things correctly when when uh, the lips were turned up in a smile or the brow was furrowed. It's because he looked uh, studied astronomy that he knew uh, when, if he wanted to create a certain image, what time of day he should paint so he could get the shadowing on the side of the face and all those things right. It's amazing. If you look deeper or more deeply, however you want to phrase it, people like da Vinci had a dyadic relationship, a partnership, a two-way street with their demons. And that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm actually embracing you to, uh, I'm actually asking you to embrace some chaos. Embrace chaos in your life. Make friends with some of your demons And you'll find out that your distractions don't take you away from your work or rob you of your work. They actually have a way of becoming our work. Distractions in these 
indiscriminate, occasional indiscriminate curiosities give you a lot of other things that you can tie into it. They can rob you of your focus for sure. But who's to say you were focused on the right thing to begin with? How many great things came as a result of somebody realizing the right thing was in front of their eyes the entire time, right? There are a lot of things. Guys, penicillin created by accident. There's a litany of things like that. So distractions that keep you from getting work done are not to be universally demonized. We got to look more closely at your behaviors. But, you know, they've been shown to uh, aid in physical performance and decrease rate of perceived exertion. Uh, they've been proven invaluable to those fighting cancer. They have video games now that can't, and they've done this for a while, that cancer patients can play. There's one called Remission. And it literally, for kids that, you know, have a hard time taking their cancer medication or when they have to get treatments and things like that, they have ways of creating distractions so the treatments aren't as painful or it can help them kind of reframe what's going on at that, pay, that stage of their process. And it can also help with memory and problem solving and in athletic performance, reaction time. You know, so, and research has also shown that older adults benefit from the presence of distraction when that distraction is congruent with they're going to perform. So the key here to remember is all things in life are a double-edged sword, all right? We're not trying to figure out whether distractions are a blessing or a curse. We just have to understand that sometimes your metaphorical curses become your blessings. I know there's a lot of things I created by accident because it gave me an idea. And if you don't allow them into your life and, uh, it, you know, you adhere too rigidly to rule or control, then you're going to be susceptible to what, you know, we see with uh, contextual interference in the performance side of things. So, when contextual interference, and, and just for those of you that aren't in the field, I don't want to use jargon. You know, if we think of what contextual interference, my background is motor learning. So this is a term you use in, in sport and, and, and what have you. That is a kind of learning or, or interference that results from switching from one skill to another or changing the context in which, you know, that's practice. So if all of a sudden I'm out with some friends and, you know, we're just playing, uh, we're playing baseball at the park or what have you. And, I'm up there and they're throwing overhand and I'm hitting the ball and I'm hitting the ball. And then all of a sudden they switch to underhand or, you know, they do something else to kind of modify the environment, whether it's the nature of the task, the bat I'm holding, anything, guys. That's a form of contextual interference. It's noise. You know, a low, if you have kids, low contextual interference, let's say little Billy, Bobby, Susie, Janie is at basketball practice. If the practice is structured in a way, block practice, where you know, for 10 minutes, they just do dribbling drills. And then for 10 minutes, they do free throws. And then for 10 minutes, they do this. That's low contextual interference. There's not much noise. It's just repetition of, of one thing again and again and again, whereas high contextual interference is more like random practice, right? We're going to practice some dribbling for a while. Then we're going to go to passing. Then we're going to do some defense drills, all things like that. So when you look at that and you change the context, that, that matters as well. And so if you absolutely create rigidity in your life and you judge your effectiveness based on what you got done and, and these metrics and what have you, you're creating low CI environments for yourself because you're trying to shut down outside distractions all the time. So now what happens when you're actually distracted? Just like when Billy, Bobby, Susie, and Janie, if all they practice is those block skills, but then they got to go play basketball and you don't get to do that, right? You have to move from one thing to the next. It's dynamic. It's chaotic. You know, is that really going to transfer? And for those of you that are fellow motor learning nerds, listen, we're not going to get into the criticisms of contextual interference in sport. That's not the podcast for this or the episode for this. We're talking to a broad audience here. I think everybody gets it. If you try to create your life and rituals in a vacuum, you're going to be screwed when that vacuum ceases to exist. That's just bottom line. 
that's bottom line. So you want to make sure and, and understand that these distractions can help you become a better professional. Now, when we look at these things, here's the meat. One way you can look at distractions that actually are super harmful is yak shaving. Yeah, you heard me right. Yak shaving. And this is a term, and I apologize if I mispronounce your name, good sir, but MIT professor Carlin Vieri, he, he coined the term, okay? He coined the term, and that's V-I-E-R-I, V-I-E-R-I, if you want to look him up. Uh, but yak shaving essentially refers to a task that leads you to perform another related task. Remember that keyword, related, and so on and so on and so on. All distracting you from whatever your original goal or task was. Now, this isn't like going down the rabbit hole. People will say that online, but going down a rabbit hole can start to lead you to unrelated tasks. Yak shaving is a type of distraction, and he got this term because he watched an episode of Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, Ren and Stimpy, where this was taking place and and it became a colloquialism or what have you. But it's what, you know, yak shaving is what you're doing when you do one task that bears, you know, no obvious relationship to what you're supposed to be working on. But if you looked at the whole chain, you can see the relational links. That's a piece that is kind of really elucidated by his colleague, Jeremy Brown. So it's not slacking off. It's part of your work. And I'm going to give you a lot of examples, okay? I sit down to work on a presentation, but I notice my battery on my laptop is low. So I go upstairs to get my charger. But as I go upstairs to get my charger, I see a reminder that I need to send copies of my book to the host. Now, I go to locate my book so I can sign them, but I notice that the marker is out of ink as is another marker and another marker. So I now turn on my phone so I can order more markers off of Amazon or what have you, because I may not be able to go to the store or what have you. And now I'm bombarded with texts from people asking my opinion on a matter or there's an issue or an athlete that needs to change times. So now I go back downstairs to get back to work so I don't get distracted. And then I realize my laptop's died. That's yak shaving, right? Like there's all, had I not just gone up and, and seen the books and gotten sidetracked, I would have got my charger. I would have been able to do it. Here's another example. You go to take out the trash. Because, and I have to give this example because there's some people that would be like, well, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have done that. I have a to-do list and that would have been, I wouldn't even have turned on my phone. Again, the digital minimalism crowd. Cool. Awesome. Right? But you're going to have to take out the trash. You got some household responsibility. So let's try this. You go to take out the trash. When you do it, you notice that the door sticks. All right. Well, now you go to grab some WD-40 or another necessary tool but it's buried underneath other stuff in your garage on these shelves. So you're super annoyed. You start reorganizing the shelves, throwing out everything else since your OCD alarm's going off. You're wasting time and you don't want to waste time in the future. So you're just like, whatever, I'm going to fix this. Now, as you're organizing the shelves, you realize you're low on WD-40, the thing you went to get in the first place. And you don't want to forget it the next time. So you go to the store to get more because you don't even have enough to fix the issue. And if you did, you know there's going to be another issue and now you're not going to have WD-40 in the future. But now while you're at the store to get WD-40, you realize you're out of eggs and milk. So now you're picking up extra groceries. Now you come home with the groceries. You unpack them and you go to throw something else away and you've been reminded now that the door sticks. There are situations like this in your life if you think about it. And they are so, so simple. You start off with something well-intentioned. Then another component of that thing takes up your time. And then it just boom, 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 boom. It connects from there. That is yak shaving. And that is the primary reason many of you, including myself, don't get anything done. It's not necessarily the distractions. 
it's distractions related to a larger task that then start to take our focus, especially if you're type A. Because if you're type A, you want to fix a lot of these things and you want to do it. This episode easily could have been, well, you're not prioritizing effectively. Well, you know, you're taking on too many large projects. Well, you know, you need to work on this and create a designated workspace in your house where there's no barriers. Yeah, until your three-year-old son comes up and is like, Daddy! Come on, guys. Can we get back to the real world? Can we get back to, like, just no-nonsense stuff that, like... Think bigger. Really think about what's going on. Many of you have everything you need to get these things done, but it's your desire to be as helpful as you can to try to take care of future issues before they come. It's your desire to want to control circumstances and situations that ends up leading to yak shaving to begin with. It is not hard to add more to your plate. It's not. And some of these things can't just, they're not as easy as just getting solved. Oh, we're just going to delegate. No. I actually want to help you with not just upstream issues, but in this case, downstream issues. During this pandemic, there are going to continue to be times when chaos hits. Use our chaos checklist. It will help you. It will absolutely, absolutely help you get some things back on track and get control of your emotions and just reorient during a time where everybody's going a little crazy. I hope this episode helped. I want to make these... Different than what, you know, you, you can type productivity tips into Google. How well is that always going to work, guys? You all know the deal. You can go buy a planner and you can do all that. Or you can realize that life's going to go haywire and you need to do something to, to take back your day. And that's what we want to help with. Artofcoaching.com forward slash chaos. Again, it's yours free. Please share. Please let other folks know about it. We're not perfect, but we're trying to help. And we're glad you are a part of this with us. All right, guys, until next time, Brett Bartholomew with the Art of Coaching Podcast. We'll see you soon.